Um, next, I'm really happy to introduce Gabriela Garcia de Cortazar, um, who's an architect who teaches at the Catolica University in Santiago, who's going to uh, talk to us about Andy and Annie, or what to do in Chile when you are not ill. Um, I would like to uh, thank everyone for being here. Uh, it is a real honor and a pleasure to be able to participate in this conference. Um, telling this story uh, that is coming from the south of the world, um, from Chile more uh, particularly. Um, and it's the story of Annie and Joseph Albert's uh, visit to Santiago, uh, which they did from mid-June to mid-August uh, 1953. Um, Joseph had been, invited to, had been invited by the architecture school of the Universidad Católica to teach a course for first-year students in the newly created Composición Pura course, or Pure Composition. Um, the initial contact contact with Joseph had been made by Alberto Pivonca, who we see there, and the dean of the school, Sergio Larraín García Moreno, after a recommendation from Emilio Duarte, uh, the three of them all Chilean practicing architects and promoters of the change in the school's curriculum um, from Beaux-Arts to Modernist. The impact the adapted version of Joseph's uh, Ford course had on the architecture school has been widely covered by local historiography, um, all focusing on his figure and on the outcome for the institution. However rigorous and interesting this work is, the fact is that two people were traveling, not one, and that there is almost no mentioning of Annie in all these texts. Um, what did she do in these two months they were in Santiago? Why is it not covered by the accounts of their trips? Is there a reason for Annie's Chilean invisibility? When asked, those that were involved and those writing the history now say that they think Annie was ill, uh, but one wonders whether she could have been ill for the whole time they were there. Um, taking issue with this passive, almost permanently prostrated idea of Annie, um, this is an attempt to fill in the gaps uh, mainly through oral history and the revision of archival material. Um, the resulting narrative retells the same story I've just summarily introduced, hopefully revealing the traces of Annie's presence and amid the dusty, misty landscapes of 1953 autumnal Santiago. So we first get a glimpse of her in a series of letters from Joseph to Alberto Pivonca, on 12 December 1952, and presumably after first contacts have been made, Pivonka and Joseph start discussing practicalities, um, preparing for their trip. The tone is formal and the missive tentative. Um, in the last paragraphs of this letter, um, first Joseph introduces the idea of Annie coming. I quote, I don't speak Spanish, though my wife is able to get along and then emphasizes the point, insisting that he counts on being accompanied by his wife. In his reply, Alberto Pivonca, apart from stating the amount of hours Joseph is supposed to teach, 12, um, suggests them to bring a coat, especially for the evenings. There follows a series of letters where Joseph asks Pivonca who is buying the tickets, given that he wants to A, bring Annie, 
and B, make a stopover in Lima, Peru, and Bogota, Colombia. Um, these letters didn't arrive on time, so a little confusion ensues, where both Alves, where both Alves and Pibonca make arrangements with different travel agencies to secure the tickets. Um, by the end of May 1953, the trip is sorted out. They are to leave the States, I quote, on Monday, June the 8th, arriving in Lima, Peru, June the 9th, leaving there June the 14th, and arriving in Santiago in the early morning of June the 14th at 6.55 a.m. A handwritten sheet kept at the Joseph Anani Albers Foundation, uh, summarizing all of their travels in the early 50s, shows that apart from the short stay in Peru before their visit to Santiago, they stopped by again between um, mid-August 1953 and nine, the 9th of September 1953. A visit that sadly for us Chileans would prove much more productive and inspiring than the one they did to Chile. To Chile. So the Alvers first arrived uh, to the Hotel Crillon, uh, an elegant hotel in the center of Santiago, um, located in a building that had formerly been the Savoy Hotel, and before that, the home of the Larraín García Moreno family, the guy that uh, was the dean of the school, so it's all very connected. Um, and after a couple of days, they moved to the top floor of a hostel in the Plaza de Armas, the main square in Santiago, and this is a picture by Joseph Alvarez of the place where they stayed. And as I'm an architect, I have to show a plan of, <laughs> so probably a room on, like on the top. Um, we don't know what they thought of their accommodation or what their impression of the city was, but at least we can locate their bodies, perhaps resting on a bed on that top floor, um, the light coming in from the windows overlooking the main square. Joseph's teaching days have, been, have already been described by Pivonka, who wrote about the visit 35 years later. Um, apart from the teaching, which he did from um, 2.30 onwards, in the fourth floor of this building, that's the main building of the Universidad Católica, um, and that's where the fourth floor was where the, the School of Architecture was located. Um, so apart from teaching, um, Joseph walked around Santiago. These are not his pictures, but these are pictures of Santiago in the 50s. Um, so you would have seen sort of this kind of um, scene. Um, and these are um, pictures uh, that he took of Santiago. Um, that are kept at the Joseph and Annie Alvarez Foundation. Um, and in none of these pictures, these early pictures, Annie appears. Um, Joseph, or the photographer, <laughs> also participated in at least one social gathering where he also took pictures at Sergio Larraín García Moreno's modernist La Reina House. So Larraín García Moreno is the, the guy from the left, the first guy from the left. Um, and so this is um, La Rain's wife and Mario Pérez de Arce's wife, Mario Pérez de Arce. Um, and it is in the context of this reception at Sergio La Rain's house that there is another glimpse of Annie, 
Um, in the pictures that Joseph took, there are eight of a book showing weavings and looms. Um, this book um, is the magnificent large format Album de Tejidos y Alfarería Araucana, or Album of Araucano Weavings and Pottery, which I was able to locate. So, magnificent book. Um, a publication by the Museum of Ethnology and Anthropology, prepared by Aureliano Oyarzun and Ricardo Lacham for the Ibero-American Exposition in Seville in 1929. In 12 colored plates, it displays a variety of Mapuche weaving, preceded by a critical history of it, its roots, connections, and differences with Inca and other pre-Columbian traditions. The album is now held at the pre-Columbian Museum, Museum's library, which, like the museum itself, was founded with the donation of most of Sergio Larraín's personal library. Um, so this book that I consulted is the actual book that was photographed by Joseph. Uh, we cannot know whether Annie saw this Mapuche weaving book in person or whether she ever saw the pictures Joseph took since they were never enlarged but kept as negatives. But they were meant for her, at least. Um, Joseph's pictures show yet, yet another gathering, this time a trip to the outskirts of Santiago, according to Mario Pérez de Arce, who is the boy in the back and now is an architect. Um, this was a different day from the party and from the way he talks there were two German guests but when asked he cannot precisely remember any. Um, Sergio Larraín drove the group composed of the Pérez de Arce family in full and at least Joseph in his red convertible to the eastern part of the city towards the Andes to the still almost rural area of Las Condes. Uh, they went to the Los Dominicos church um, visited the La Fontesilla House and the Cantagallo House, all built in the traditional Central Valley typology of adobe masonry and heavy wood and clay tile. Um, Joseph made several pictures of the houses and of construction details, such as the adobe bricks, doors and rafters, as well as of the surroundings. <coughs> Annie, again, is not in these pictures, so maybe she really was ill. And then Annie and Joseph leave for Peru. Um, Joseph takes some postcards with him, um, several of them showing the Universidad Católica building. And on the contrary, in the pictures of their month and a half trip in Peru, Annie looks healthy and happy. Um, if on their first short stopover in Peru, they had met Fernando Belaunde Terry, uh, who was an architect and afterwards became president. On this second longer visit, they travel, traveled around the country visiting ancient sites. The Peruvian side of the story, as it appears through Joseph's lens, is much livelier and more engaged for both of them. This story, however, has not yet been told in detail. The relationship with Chile continued mainly through exchanges with Sergio Larraín and Alberto Pivonca. In 1954, uh, Pivonca writes to Joseph and thanks him, also on behalf of Larraín and Duarte, for the prints he sent them. Um, he also receives two postcards from the Alverses from Honolulu, Hawaii, and also several Christmas cards. 
Um, regarding the Alvarez's relation with La Rain, it develops around the topic of the creation of the new school of design uh, in the Universidad Católica. So during 1957 and 1958, La Rain first tries to bring Joseph to Chile again. And after Joseph um, excuses himself, he settles for a younger teacher. Um, and he proposes that they apply to the leader's grant so Sergio Larraín can go to Yale and see for himself. And the letter suggests that all this was also being discussed with Sheila Hicks, who was then on a Fulbright-funded stay in Chile. Um, Larraín seems very keen on going to the States. However, the, leader grant, the leader's grant application is not successful. And following a request from Larraín, the Alvers proposed a candidate, Sue Silmans or Sai, a uh, young teacher here at Yale. Um, it is Silman's correspondence from Chile with the Albers that gives an inkling on Anis, not quite passive, but very much active opinion on Chile. So it's a quote from Sai's letter. I guess that this clarity of my departure implies that I am eager to leave. I don't know. Certainly the work is exciting and hard, but I must confess that in spite of the warnings you both gave me, Santiago is empty. As soon as you get out of Santiago, I think it changes. So he wasn't really loving it. And even more descriptive in his disappointment, I quote, um, Annie, you were so right when you described Santiago as gray. It is so gray. The slope, the buildings, the street. But, and maybe it is because it is full here, there's a compensation, the flowers. On every street corner are flower vendors with gorgeous bouquet of fall flowers. If we stick to the prostrated image of Annie, yes, the gray skies can be seen from a window, but another part from this very same letter suggests that she did go out of, the, of her hotel room during her stay in Santiago, as she asked Silman to please buy her a leather handbag sold in the Hotel Carrera, which is this one, um, most probably from the Talabarteria Inglesa shop. It must have been quite a fine handbag if Annie still had it in mind six years after her stay. Um, for his part, and being true to his blasé attitude, uh, Silman finishes, finishes his letter saying that Santiago is really sort of fun, as good as it gets. Um, all these exchanges between the Alverses and the Chileans have been up to here quite immaterial. Knowledge, a methodology, cases, opinions, Perhaps the most material exchange is the one started in 1959, but finally realized in, in the 70s between Sergio Larraín and Joseph. Right after they have agreed on bringing Sewell Silman, Sergio Larraín cuts to his main point uh, in this letter, um, which is in Spanish. Um, I would very much like to have in my home a painting of yours. Could Silman bring some color slides, dimensions, and the conditions for getting it? They drop the subject there. Nine years pass by, Joseph participates in the Biennale Americana de Grabado and wins the first prize, $1,000, that he then donates back to Sergio Larraín's art foundation. Um, suddenly, some breaking news. In 1968, Sergio Larraín um, is appointed ambassador in Peru, having to move with his family to Lima immediately. On the 27th September, 1970, um, Larraín is back in Santiago for a short stay and willing to finally realize that trip to the States. He is also reviving his other project. Um, I quote, Dear friend, 
I am in Santiago for two or three days and go back to Lima, Peru this night. I am planning to go to the States before leaving my post in Lima. Could it be possible to see you both in New Haven and have lunch together on Sunday, October the 11th? I'll be extremely happy if I can get one of your beautiful paintings, which I have desired for many years. Perhaps I can take with me two or three Mochica pieces uh, and arrange some exchange. Please talk with your dealer. A letter from Larain to both Albers after he returned to Lima helps to gauge how successful their meeting was. Dear friends, thank you both for the lovely time I had with you in Orange and for your kindness with me as somebody living your everyday life. And thank you especially, dear Joseph, for the wonderful painting hanging now in the embassy in Lima, which has created a new and mysterious window in the wall, leaving the entrance to a very particular and fascinating light, yellow and no yellow, square and moving, always the same and never the same. My wife is not particularly fond of modern painting, but she says that this one is something true. Now we have really something of your own life and knowledge. The painting follows him after he leaves his post in Lima and moves to Quito, Ecuador, in 1973. I am working myself in Quito, Ecuador, where I have very interesting and important jobs. I got your painting in my apartment in Quito with the clay you have seen in my house and some archaeological pieces. And then Joseph's painting goes back to Chile when La does to his new house in the new campus of the Universidad Católica in Lo Contador, where it is hung next to a large format painting from Roberto Mata and all the pre-Columbian pieces that occupy every corner of the house. This collection of almost 1,500 wacos and other pieces started from a very young age, filled La Raín's Lo Contador house, and you could even find them under the bed. From among this impressive collection, the pieces he might have exchanged for the small Albers painting um, could be the ones now held at the Yale Peabody collection. There are only two small moche pieces uh, in the whole collection, ceramic stirrup spout vessel and ceramic stirrup spout bird effigy vessel. Um, these two small great objects are the ones that perhaps embody the minimal yet significant exchange between Chile and the Albers not the objects themselves, for they are from Peru, uh, but the shared appreciation of their shapes, colors, and proportions of the objects beyond their historic, archeological, or ethnographic value, but into the intrinsic, aesthetic, emotional charge of the manually fabricated object. Larain and the Alberts ultimately shared a way of approaching the ancient that made the objects alive, they integrated them into the everyday, challenging dichotomies such as high and low or art artifact. These pots, infrastructural yet, yet artful, unique yet part of thousands of other wacos, were handled, appreciated, and loved in their more immediate history, first by Larain and then by Annie and Joseph. As for the other object that made it from Chile to the Albers, um, Annie's leather handbag, its procurement was finally handed down to a very young and newlywed Wilson Wright, then on a Fulbright commission. Um, he says, um, last June, when Joan found the leather shop you recommended in the Carrera, she asked for the prices in pigskin as well as, and was told that she would have to wait until Christmas for a new supply of skins. Um, yours is the simplest design we've found. 
If you should like us to get you one, please let us know. You may prefer to have us order it soon so that Sai could take it back with him when he returns. Otherwise, we should be pleased to carry it with us when we return later. Um, on the 24th of May uh, of 1964, Annie encloses the check and that seals the deal. Um, Wilson Wright's letter also provides plausibility for the ill for two months theory. I quote, um, somehow my wife Joan and myself contracted intestinal parasites in the south of Chile. Um, I had entomiba coli, the one on the left, and while Joni settled for Gierda Lamblia. We threw this off without too much trouble, but Joni has gone through a chain of things that have largely confined her to bed since our return from the south. She first had a grip which racked her with a fever of 104 degrees. Afterwards, she came to terms with her parasites, which left her very weak. Um, as a result of that, she became anemic, which was followed by a miserable head cold and sore throat. Currently, she has a cough and nothing more. So when people get ill in Chile, it seems they get really ill. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>